0: I've always felt it's a symbiotic relationship. I just feel like if we support them, they're going to support us. Mm -hmm. And what we have found is the more that we can educate them and give them the tools that they need to be successful, it actually helps them build their business.
1: Running a retail business doesn't have to be so hard. Welcome to the Creative Shop Talk podcast, the go-to podcast for creative shop owners, studio owners, and independent retailers. I'm your host, Wendy Batten, retail business coach and mentor. Each week, I'll share simple, proven business strategies, inspiring stories from fellow retailers and advice from industry experts. Together, we're going to work to find the success you want from your retail business with more profits in your till and a little more joy in your life. Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode number 51 of the Creative Shop Talk podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today, my friend. And I just wanted to do something a little bit different, and I've decided to invite a few retail brand owners into the chat with us here at the Creative Shop Talk podcast. I've had an interesting um position, I guess if that's uh, if that's the right way to say it. That I've worked with a lot of different brands over the last four years and a lot of different industries, um, bridging the gap as a retailer and retail sort of care manager and working with brands and helping them understand the point of view from the retailers. And also working, of course, with hundreds and hundreds of retailers, helping them understand the point of view. Um, of the brand and both both sides have stories if that makes sense so I thought it'd be fun to do that here on the podcast as well, too. We're seeing more and more different brands and different, not just, you know, not just in the creative world. I'm seeing it all over the place now. More and more brands really taking an interest in helping their retailers. Of course, it's going to be a win-win, right? For brands to help their retailers promote their products, be educated on the products, learn more, you know, all of the things, right? To help retailers sell more of their product obviously that's a win-win and from the retailer's point of view um they're edu- they, they get educated they feel more confident and have more clarity but one thing and i'm just this is a just a side note here one thing i see occasionally with some of the retailers that i have the pleasure of working with is that they think the brand is the one who should be doing all of the um marketing and teaching them how to run their business. And that's not really the brand's job. It's there. they're there to support you. But there are more and more retailers or more and more retail brands that are really stepping in and trying to help their retailers. So it's really a bonus if you have a brand that you're working with that is, you know, trying to support you. It's one thing to provide marketing material. It's another thing to say, you know, here's how, You've learned to do Facebook or whatever it is that they're teaching you. So it's quite an interesting dynamic that's happening in the retail world right now. Um, And lots of brands have stories. And that's why today I invited on Suzanne Fulford. She is the founder and CEO of... Dixie Bell paint company. And you know, everybody has a story and they are, they're doing such an amazing job at supporting their brands. I have tons of retailers that work uh, with uh, the Dixie Bell paint company inside my retailers inner circle. And I've also had the opportunity from to speak and work with the company itself, seeing how what their point of view is from the brand's point of view in supporting it it really is a win-win but it's so interesting to hear backstories on the the company's why so what is their why so we talk a little bit about that i've also asked uh, suzanne to share a little bit about industry trends and what's happening and what you know what we get we have to get ready for as we move forward through this new season of business um one of the other things and the other reason i wanted to invite different brand owners into the podcast here and i have a few others lined up over the next couple of months so i'm kind of excited about it but I, I think it's more and more important for us to work with brands that align with our values. It's not sort of the same as before and just selling widgets. And, you know, we're, we're more conscious of the books we sell and the jewelry we might have. Our customers are also more conscious of that as well, too. So it's interesting, right? So that goes right down to the paints we carry and the pro- all of the products on our shelves, We have to, they have to align with our values. And I'm not saying that, you know, every pencil and pen and everything that you sell, you research and, you know, have a relationship with the brand, but we probably do. We probably have, we're not going to sell anything that makes us feel icky or yucky. And we're seeing that more and more. People seem to value just like our customers do with the small shop revolution is what I'm calling it, and you know, shop local and you know, being more conscious about where they're spending their money, we are doing the same because our customers are asking us to, and it feels good. So working with brands that have a good reputation, that have values, that aren't again, yucky. I don't know how to describe somebody said, well, what do you mean, yucky? You know what I mean, kind of yucky. You just if something makes you feel yucky and that might just be your own personal um your own personal opinion of a brand maybe right so or your customer's opinion of a brand so integrity and values matter moving into um, this new retail season and this new um, world of retail that we're working we're we're all that's going to explode and that we're all getting ready for Um, so I just wanted to bring on some brand owners again um, just to have a conversation and chat with us about the future the trends that are happening and also um, you know just to get to know the back end and see how brands are working together with retailers to make it a win-win situation so grab a coffee grab your paintbrush start unpacking boxes whatever it is you you do while you listen to the podcast which we're so grateful for and have a listen and don't forget please leave us a, a review let me know any takeaways let me know how you feel about working with brands. And uh, also, I'd love to know, um, send me some uh, info on who you else you would like, what brands you love and what you'd love me, who you'd love me to have a chat with. I've invited some uh, brand leaders on and I'm pretty excited about some of the upcoming series that we have for you. So there we go, my friends. Let's sit back, have a coffee and listen to the conversation I had with Suzanne Fulford, founder and CEO of Dixie Bell. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and thank you for being here today. I have an amazing guest today. I'm excited to introduce to you Suzanne Fullford. She's the founder and the CEO of Dixie Bell Paint Company, and I am excited to have you here, Suzanne. Thank you for being here.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Great. I am inviting industry leaders on the podcast because I think it's important to hear Um, not both sides of the story that's so dramatic or whatever, but to introduce and to bring together why it's important that retailers and creatives shop owners work with brands that are walking the same steps with them and, and, and just diving in about the industry. I want it to, um, I love what you guys do. You guys do an exemplary, exemplary job of um, working with your retailers not your whole job, though, is to, <laughs> to just support <laughs> retailers, but I love how you do it. Um, and I just wanted to bring it, I'm going to be bringing in um, more industry leaders, and I, because I really do think it's an important conversation. And also, we're going to talk a little bit today about where you see the industry going, um, the, uh, the the paint industry specifically for your paintpreneurs and for, for uh, retailers and shop owners. Um, but before we get going, I was wondering if you can share a little bit about your journey and how you ended up, how did you end up becoming the founder and CEO of Dixie Bell paint? Well,
0: it's funny it wasn't something i actually intended to do i kind of just started it and would uh, i wanted to see where it would take me so basically i started with uh you know painting just like everybody else out there i painted furniture i was sanding priming doing all of that kind of stuff and it was a real creative outlet for me. I was going through a really hard time in my life and had a lot of different challenges that were going on and and I I'm not um an artist like if you asked me to paint you a picture, I could not do it. However, painting furniture, it was like the big canvas and it was a gr- great creative outlet for me. And I found when I did that, it took me away from you know the world and everything that was going on at the time, so it was a really good coping mechanism for me. Um, and then I you know heard of this paint where you didn't have to sand or prime or do anything like that, and I was really interested in that. And I looked to purchase it, but it was pretty expensive. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, paint isn't really all that much. It's you know binders, pigments, water, whatever. Um, you know, mixing it together and, and, you know, seeing kind of like cooking. So I, you know, experimented with a lot of different things and I came up with something that I liked, um, that I could paint my furniture with, that was durable, that I could stand behind and all of that with no intention of doing anything with it. Um, So I did that and I had an, an Etsy store for a while and I was shipping furniture all around the country, which, is difficult. Um, and I realized that I didn't really want to ship everywhere anymore. So I looked for a local store and there was one right around the corner from me. So I opened up a spot there and, you know, I was successful with my furniture and selling it and doing well. And while I was there, you also, she asked people to help and to work at the, um, at the counter and, and all of that, which I was more than willing to do because I wanted to know what people were buying. Um, Because if I know what they're buying, I know what to paint. Um, and I was doing that and people kept coming in, Hey, where I, I you know, I have stuff I want to paint. Where can I get this paint? Where can I get this paint? We were sending them down into Tampa to buy it down there. And I said to the store owner, you know, after a few weeks of this, you know, you really should look into carrying this paint because everybody's coming to look for it. And um, she was kind of like hemming and hawing because she felt like it was um, when I started, I don't know if it's kind of, I don't think it's really still going on, but a lot of people didn't want to teach people to paint or provide the paint because they felt like then they wouldn't buy the furniture or then they would just all paint themselves and, and not hire people to do it, which I never really understood because People are still going to buy things if they like it. Um, But if you have furniture at home that you want to paint, they're not going to, you know, not buy your thing because it's right there perfectly in their home. They just need a different color. So anyway, she decided that she would look into carrying some lines. Uh, The lines were really expensive to start. And I was like, wow, that's crazy because I know how to, you know, make this stuff. It's not, you know, rocket science. So I kind of was. I talked to her about carrying it, and um, she really didn't want to do it. I don't know why. I still to this day don't know why. And I was pretty upset because it was something that I felt like there was a really good market for, and and it would help people. I mean, it would help businesses. It would help people like myself that uh, actually got a lot of therapy from it, and other people I had talked to who had kind of done the same thing felt the same way so I decided to open up another location open up like a little place that I could afford with a friend of mine it was off the road it was a terrible location but I felt like we could at least advertise and I really wanted to try selling my paint and see if there was a market for that so we did we opened up a, a little store and we sold our furniture. Um, But I also was selling the paint. And so I knew it was good. I knew that, you know, it was a good quality product. And I knew it worked. Um, But I didn't. And I knew I could probably sell it. But it was I was really after the repeat sale. So I, you know, put it up and people started buying it, which was awesome. But then they started coming back and buying more. And then they had their uh, friends and family come in buying it buying it buying it so basically I knew at that point I had something that was really good and I kind of worked my way from there my background um previous life I always say before my kids was in sales so I was okay I called different people around the country and I sent them samples and that kind of thing and just that was kind of natural for me um but it wasn't really very hard because everybody was kind of looking to do it. So kind of one thing led to another and I sold enough I sold enough furniture to fund my paint until I didn't have to I was selling enough paint to fund my paint and then I just kind of grew it from there. What what
1: so what year would that have been when you Well the shop, when that you was the shop? that
0: I mean I started painting a while ago but as far as the paint and all actually Starting to come up with a viable plan uh, to do it. I would say it was 2013, but I incorporated um, January 1st, 2014. That's when I officially said, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it and kind of jump in the river. That was always my mind in my head. I was just going to jump in the river and see where it took me. I didn't really have any expectations. Um, I just was going to... I People always say, well, how did you do this? And I always say, I next stepped myself. Because right. if I thought yeah. about it, I would never be able to do it. I did not have yeah. a business plan. I mean, I kind of had one in my head, but it wasn't all on paper. I wasn't going to borrow any money. I was going to fund it all myself with with things that I was selling and, and mm-hmm. you know, reinvesting into the business. So it was... Um, Kind of like, you know, my husband was working at the time. We didn't have any money um, to spend. I had kids or extra money to spend to put into a business. All of this was just like money that I was help supplementing his income with. So I wasn't going to do anything to jeopardize that. So I just kind of, I said, all right, what do I need first? The first thing I need are, you know, names of, of the paint. Then I'll need a website. And I did that all for free myself. Um, I need to um, take pictures. I took the first pictures myself all for free, put them up. I mean, it took a lot of time, which is what I did have time. I didn't have money, but I did have some time. So um, just kind of, all right, I got this done. Now what do I have to do now? I mean, I didn't know anything about, (laughs) I I had no, yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not a computer person. I, I, you know, I just, you know, kind of plotted along every step of the way, just, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And otherwise, I just would have been overwhelmed and not been able to do anything.
1: Right. So it's, it's, so it's interesting, because so I remember when you opened, to be honest, I can remember when you started. So 2013. Really? Yeah. so So 2013, I opened my store say very similar stories it's really funny and I think even a lot of your retailers a lot of retailers listening I'm sure you know start it and we just kind of grow and I, I call it you know I call it bootstrap bootstrap growing right we're just growing yeah. growing I'm a I'm a planner And my retailers are the, all my all my coaching clients that are listening and they're like oh see she didn't plan but I'm a big believer and kind of have an idea of where we're headed but I don't think we have to have all our things together to move forward if you try right. to wait till you have the perfect website and the perfect you would never stop like I started my coaching program with a PayPal button and uh, literally like just you know some conversations with people and that's how I started coaching you know people are like oh you didn't have it all you know it's like no but I same thing I bootstrapped instead of opening a product line I uh, jumped into uh, coaching fellow retailers but it's interesting because I do remember um, at the time, it was so hard to get paint. For me, mm-hmm. it was really, really hard to get paint. It's funny, my my, I'm similar. I opened up like in the boonies and I just like, it was just gonna, and the same sort of thing. It was one step at a time. And I, and again, I think a lot of people listening can take from, uh, and my intention for these podcasts are to, to take inspiration from people. So just keep one step at a time, do what you have with what you have, right? You know, we don't have to have it all figured out to make big progress and have big things happen. I mean, so you built a brand, that fast forward now is—I mean, how many retailers do you? I mean, like, I don't know how many retailers you must have now. So <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot of your retailers. So I—I yeah, I don't know how many you have. A lot. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I. You know, at least two thousand, which is yeah. crazy. Crazy. That is
1: crazy. So fast forwarding. Um, so I know you have you know, there was a lot of steps between then and now you have a head office. Now you have an incredible team um, working with you, which is something I wanted to touch on because I think it's really important um, running, you know, uh, so I've been on both sides of the fence. It's really interesting. I've worked with several brands as retail care manager. I've been in um, marketing positions and I've been, I've worked um, on business teams with uh, four different brands. So it's been fun. I have like, I have a, I think I have a unique perspective on And now I work full-time with retailers. So I have a unique perspective on retailers' um, opinions of their brands, maybe (laughs) that's the right word, but like what they expect from their brands and from the brand's point of view, um, how they, how, you know, they have their own, we have our own investment. You have your own investment in your company, right? You have to protect yourself. You can't do everything, but also how uh, brands, I guess, um, work with their retailers. So it's almost like a, a, a two-step right everybody has different agendas but mm-hmm. the end goal in the same at the end goal is let's sell more paint
0: right <laughs> like really right like yeah. let's sell more paint I mean so
1: yeah I'm really fascinated with how your team um you take your marketing and, and I, don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth but you, if you want to share with us a little bit um I see that your marketing marketing team and I see other brands doing this too but um specifically with your brand you have a large marketing team that yeah I we have, do have the opportunity to meet and and uh touch base a little bit with your marketing team um you have a marketing team that markets your products but mm-hmm. you also have seen you have a very big uh investment in marketing individual retailers by with your marketing in your
0: marketing can you speak right a bit
1: to that and how you and why do you invest so much in giving
0: back to your retailers Well, I've always felt it's a symbiotic relationship. I I just feel like if we work together, you know, a a rising tide lifts all ships. And if we support them, they're going to support us. But again, we also realize we're dealing with, you know, mom and pop. We're not dealing with big corporations. Mm -hmm. And I think because what we have found is, the more that we can educate them and give them um, the tools that they need to be successful and not necessarily in paint because everything that we teach them, they can use towards other things that they're doing, whether they're selling soaps or candles or even other paint lines. It it actually helps them build their business. And because most of our retailers do not have that kind of business education. It's kind of like a hobbyist that came in and they were like, Oh, I can, I can do this. I can make some money. I can share, I can, you know, do whatever I want to do in my little town and maybe have some extra money for, um, for my family. It will be, you know, it will help. And so understanding that and understanding that, They don't necessarily have all the business acumen that, you know, larger retailers have. Now, some of them, some of our retailers do. They've, you know, been around a long time and this is not their first rodeo, but a lot of them don't. So we just have always felt it's a symbiotic relationship and we're really there to help them grow. And we really come at everything with the heart of of helping people, whether it be an end user, you know, kind of like myself for therapy, or an end user who has their own paint, you know, uh, refinishing business, or the retailer who is looking to have more of a presence and, and wants to open a brick and mortar, they've they, they has been their dream. So we really try to help people reach their dreams, and no matter what that dream is.
1: Yeah, so I see I see that in practice. And again, that is you know, uh, for, for those that listen regularly to the podcast and know what I do, that's, I am such a believer in helping. I call them, I, I call ourselves the kitchen table CEOs because we have to, our board of directors is sitting at our kitchen table,
0: right? Yeah. You know, but very true.
1: Business education is, um, paramount I think for a success to get where we want to go whether that's just to have some extra spending money and you know whatever open the brick and mortar whatever that is um and understanding the foundations and marketing concepts and all of these things so it's I'm that's my whole mandate that's my whole my whole vision is to make sure that um independent shop owners um have the support and tools that they need to to grow their business. And so right. working with brands like yourself, or, and, and again, you know, there's other brands doing this, but, um, you have done a couple of things that I've seen this a little bit different. Again, one of the reasons I wanted to invite you on, um, And because you have a university program, yeah, yeah, you have like a Dixie Bell University. So again, I've had the opportunity to meet and work a little bit with some of your team members through that, and a lot of your retailers, you know, they talk about it. Um, Can can you just talk a little bit about your Dixie Bell University? I just think it's a cool idea, and again, comes right from my heart, uh, knowing that that's what I want to support retailers too. So,
0: well, it kind of gets back to the whole, you know, symbiotic relationship. And the fact that, you know, the more we were doing this, the more we knew our retailers, knew what their issues were, knew what our issues were as a brand trying to grow. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, educating even just on how to use the products on, you know, for that and then how to give a class because a lot of people wouldn't know how to give a class. And also, um, you know, retail psychology, like all of this is very, very new to people. So I'm trying to think I, I, you know, Terry is my CMO, and she is amazing. She's just a plethora of ideas. And when the two of us get together, and we brainstorm, it's like, boom, 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 all over the place. And I remember us talking about it. And I'm trying to remember how exactly it came about. I think it was somebody else was, you know, there are not not too many original ideas. Somebody else, <laughs> yes, I think, was yeah. doing it, not yeah. in our industry, but in another yeah. industry. Yeah. And so we were like, you know what, that would be really cool if we could, if we could do that. And um, so kind of one thing led to another, and it's just kind of grown from there. And it's, and then we also have a mastermind group that's grown from there mm-hmm. at which we use this, like our beta testers almost, well, not almost, we do use them. We, we different policy changes or different products or different ideas. If we want to get another perspective, we use them um, and they're amazing. So we've really kind of just, we, we're we not, we're not, we're very out of the box thinkers. Um, and whenever we have kind of a problem come to us, we we just kind of try to Figure out the best way to work it. It's and we might not always do it the best, but we always try to learn and and do it you know do it better the next time. So, a lot of the things that we have come up with is because there's been a need, um, because there's been a difficult situation or a challenge or things that are happening that we you know, don't really know how to deal with. So we kind of think outside the box. All right, we're having some issues with our retailers, maybe not knowing all the products or maybe their stores could use a little help or, you know, what? or or they're telling us these issues that they need help with. So how can we help them? And, you know, we just kind of use all of that information and and make it work um, and then grow from there. But not everything works. A lot of it does. If it doesn't work, we just regroup and move on.
1: Well, that's just like, I akin that to um, we try a paint color on a piece of furniture sometimes and we're like, ooh, that is not looking good. So we just yeah. repaint it, right? I mean, like right. people, you know, people always, and I say that uh, in jest, but not really. I mean, we, no. t- we, we have to try and try and then just do more of what's working. Um, and again, I like, I regularly talk about that. Like, you know, I mean, how many times have we had to repaint furniture that just sits because it's not selling, right? Yeah, or whatever. It's just, you know, there's, it's nothing wrong with the furniture. It just needs a new paint job, right? So mm-hmm and also nothing is permanent um, and i say that because uh, you know yeah. we, we try things and it's working it's not working um one of the things in um, marketing our pain so uh, product education is super important and uh, i mean i at the very basic level i think um, any um, i call us a weirdo product people because we're selling like this doesn't happen in the candle industry we do not have candle university like people do not need to know how to use the candles you don't have sure. candle companies feeling responsible To teach or to brand their, you know, to help share the brand of their, you know, you just don't see that, right? I mean, you might, a little bit of education on, you know, what's in the candle, but we don't have to spend hours and hours and hours teaching people about candles, but we do about our products, like different Mm -hmm. products. Any DIY product comes with a, what the heck is that, right? Or how do I use that? And we have, So product education is super important and a lot of brands do stop at that. So I I do appreciate and see that you guys are trying to help or your company is trying to help um, and help uh, in in two ways, help doing the same thing I do. I guess we're aligned in that way. I love like, I love like when retailers come to me and they're like, well, we learned that at university, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's awesome. You know, it's important because it's not just about running a store. We can have the best products. We can have the best DIY products. We can have the cutest shop in the whole town we can have the best customer service with the biggest heart uh and if we just don't have all the other pieces we don't have good you know foundations and we you know so i love that um you're spreading the word of, you know, running a better business is, is important mm-hmm. and in having like merchandising and all the things uh, because that's important. And people don't know what we don't know. We don't all have business right. in uh, running retail. Right. <laughs> so, right. You know, so it's, it's yeah. that's sort of where, you know, um, one of the things that I do, so not just product education, not just business education, I also see, um, and, and this, I, I I'm always telling my retailers to look for this when they pick brands, even for candle brands or whatever brands they're looking for, for their clothes clothing brands is, um, sh- having, um, a company that supports you and puts you in front of other people. And I know you guys do this consistently, which I know to great success for some of your retailers and, um, other people probably shy away, but you are really, really good at, um, putting your retailers, uh, live, like not yeah. I was about to yeah. say throwing them out live because it, that's, <laughs> I don't mean it in
0: that is.
1: <laughs> yeah. but no but it's really you know and again um, uh, you know not just uh, this is this is for you know those listening this is for um, think about how a brand is supporting you this is a really great idea to mm-hmm. be able to go and be on live in front of your entire, you have a huge following on yeah. uh, Facebook alone. I'm not a big believer in Facebook being our only marketing. Um, and I know you guys aren't either, but Facebook is just people want to see and they want to watch. I mean, I'm addicted to watching some of your
0: your retailers. Are, They're great. Are- I know they are. They're entertaining. They're fun. It's it. It really is. And it's important. I think one of the things that we feel is personal growth is really, really important. If you're going to grow your business, you have to grow yourself as a person. Absolutely. And getting and doing live is really scary and really hard to do. It, It looks not as hard, I'm sure, unless you've done it. But imagine just like holding up a camera and talking to it and being entertaining with really nobody talking back to you. It's not easy. Um, And a lot of our retailers have done it, and they've done it really, really well, building their own kind of brand as a person, which, you know, I think it's important, especially as women, that we support each other, and um, don't tear each other down. We really, really try to support everybody. Everybody's different, everybody, you, I might like somebody and you don't like them, and, but another friend of yours loves them, but you don't, everybody interacts differently with everybody else, so, you know, we have a lot of different personalities, a lot of different styles, a lot of different, you know, genres, really, so, you know, it is about, also, it's still promoting our retailers, giving them that platform, helping them grow, helping them get out of their comfort zone and, you know, having them find out, you know, that they can do this and it really empowers them. And when you're empowered, you'll also take more, I'll say risks yeah. um, and more chances, which will also help you grow. So, you know, it's yeah. kind of a, a good cycle for everybody.
1: Well, it's that next step, right? It's that, it okay, is. this is, you know, and it's interesting because I was watching um, and and a lot of retailers and and you might be listening right now and thinking, Oh, I can't do that. Or you might be a pro and like like I don't think twice about going live. I've been doing Facebook Live since the beginning of the dark ages. I feel like I I was one of the early adapters to Facebook. Like doesn't bother me. But and then so it sometimes surprises me at how fearful it is for others. But um, but you know you have to put your. It's the same. I go back to this painting analogy, right? The first time you picked up a paintbrush and you were like afraid, literally like afraid to like slap that paint on that leg it was like fear right but once we start doing it now you don't think about it it's confidence confidence about any part of our business um isn't innate like we're not born with that confidence i hear retailers say um i was watching a retailer uh, on your um uh, uh, doing a live the other day and, you know, and she was saying, and, and I say this regularly, you know, I was not confident. She was painting away and she was talking away to the audience. You know, and we're not, we're not born with that confidence. We,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's it's like driving a car. It's like painting furniture. It's like anything that we do, right. It's just skills growing, growing, growing the next level. Right. We just, like I just said, we just keep doing the next thing, the next thing.
0: Um Well, and that, one of the things I think that I've seen is people Get so fearful because they compare themselves against other people, and then they feel like they have to be perfect. If I'm not perfect, I'm not going to do it because it's not going to be perfect. Well, guess what? It's never going to be perfect. It will never be perfect. And if you're waiting for perfection, you're your own worst enemy. You always, I always tell people, and this is the way I started too. People, you know, people would say, Well, what about when this happens? Or what about when that happens? I'm like, I'll deal with it when it gets there, if it even gets there. Yeah. But Lord only knows. But I always say, is it good enough? It's good enough. Good enough is good enough. Yeah. You can fix it later. Is, are you happy? Is it good enough now? Okay, it's a it perfect No. If it's perfect, that's, you know, every once in a while I would paint a piece that was perfect. But I always saw the imperfections. I always felt like, eh, it wasn't really totally the way I thought in my head. But, you know, it was good enough. And But yeah. somebody else loved it. They never saw those imperfections. Yeah, so you're... Yeah your own, yeah, so it's
1: that's head. it's really great that's a great analogy as well too I've never painted a piece of furniture and I'm so it's funny I'm also like you I'm a good furniture painter but I would never call myself an artist but mm-hmm. every piece of furniture that I painted and I painted thousands like you mm-hmm. um there was always like, it's never perfect, right? No. And I always tell my retailers, well, you know, a B is better than an A plus, right? Like getting a B or, you know, you don't want to put an F out there. You don't want to put like a complete, like, you know, just saying that because it's just not what most people feel that they're comfortable even, but putting, you know, a, a, your best foot forward today and your first live shouldn't look like your 50th live. No. I mean, and, and there's nobody in the world that does anything 50 times and it. The same as it was, you know, on day one. So we're always learning again, let's not spend time and money and energy in making it perfect. Let's just get it done. I'm a doer I'm a like, let's just push play and go and I have purposely kept my um, very for I've done it, because I've shared them with, and they're really embarrassing back on my on my uh, my old front porch mercantile pages I've kept those lives there because they're so bad but you know yeah. what I just did them um, I often I often joke about and I tell my retailers this all the time my first Facebook lives were done with a wine bottle my phone and a hair tie like a hair tie <laughs> holding yeah my, yeah like, yeah on a wine bottle you can picture it right like in front yeah. of me and me. Holding I can up- me holding up my painting things and spending the first four minutes asking people if can you are we live let's wait till everybody joins in like I'm mortified by it but that's what we did like back in the day right that's just what you did got it done but um but but back to back to letting retailers um shine which is what I think you guys do really well um this year more than ever I think video has been important yeah. this past year because if people aren't in our shops as much it's been really you know there's been a lot of shifts but there's been a lot of interest <laughs> I mean, yeah those of us it in has. the creative DIY world it has been a crazy year right full of lots of potential to those who chose to make that happen um this year that's how I see it I see those that wanted to you know but it took a lot of um courage and a lot of pivots and, um a lot of um it was a hard year. We, we talk about it all the time on the podcast, but it was a hard year as far as, you know, um, stepping out of our comfort zones mm-hmm. and of what we what we expected to happen and what we were doing. Um, so how do you see like what do you see for a silver lining over this past year for uh, for your retailers, for the industry itself, maybe because um, I think there's been lots of silver linings in this hard year.
0: Well, you know, from what I've heard from a lot of our retailers is, like you said, the the retailers who were took the bull by the horn and, you know, said, "Uh, this is not going to stop me. Like, at first, I think everybody was, like, worried that, well, honestly, at first, I was like well, this is going to be great for our retailers because all the big stores are going to close. (laughs) Little did I know the complete opposite was going to happen. Um, But then the retailers who were able to either stay open or do the porch pickups or or deliver and do all of that, and they were able to do that, I can't tell you how many retailers told us Dixie Bell was the only thing that kept their doors open. The only thing is is paint and paint sales and all of that because everybody was painting and redoing kitchens and, and just redoing their house and furniture and all of that. So that was a very unexpected silver lining, especially when all the small stores were getting closed down. That was very upsetting to me. I felt horrible for them. But um, the ones who really just, like you said, bootstrapped it and were like, all right, how am I going to do this? They, they made it work. So yeah. um, I think actually, you know, a lot of people made it through a really difficult time. And so sometimes just getting through that time, knowing that you can do it, you're like, wow, if I made it through COVID, I can make it through, you know, whatever comes next. Uh, so that's always a good confidence booster too. Um, yeah. you know, it will be interesting to see what's coming. Um, I think that, you know, I always think DIY and furniture painting and all of that will always be here in some form or fashion. I know when I first started years ago, people were like, Oh, it's a fad. It's never going to last. I'm like, do you know, like, how long people have been painting furniture? Like, yeah, I mean, that's really popular now. Maybe one day it won't be as popular, but people are always doing things like this. They always have. So, you know, I, I think that I'm not sure exactly where it will go, um, but I, I definitely don't think it's a flash in the pan.
1: I, I 100% agree with you on that. I do not see this industry, I th- I see this industry thriving more, because people are more aware. Um, I think that people are more home bodied. I know we were forced to be more home bodied. But I do believe that people's mindset has shifted as well, too. I think people have, I think hobbies have become back in yeah. vogue. I think like, whether it's painting furniture or using the paints for whatever else like just loving on your house homesteading all of those things I think that's I don't think that's going away I think people's values have changed I think there's been a a uh, colossal shift. I see that, and in other countries where they're coming out of um, COVID and pandemic and all of this, um because I I work with retailers all over the world. I'm 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 so blessed. I work with you know New Zealand, Australia. Wow. You know, yeah. And so it, New Zealand. Let's just take New Zealand alone. Like you know, they're they're back to normal. They don't have their history, right. but they're everything's open. They've been open through most of this, and you know, the DIY world got attention. I guess Is that, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the right. Yeah, word. It did. And, had a nice bolt and hit and all of a sudden so there's all these new so I do see that I see um antique vintage you know uh, repurposing furniture not going anywhere as I see secondhand furniture and like we love I think we just have different values right now and that all comes back to being creative and being who we are and that's that's what we foster right we foster people not just it's it's not just painting furniture it's you know yeah. so and it also um I feel that this whole the silver lining, to what you were saying as well too the silver lining in here um, what I see for uh, creative uh, DIY and shop owners um, they're stronger uh, if you've gotten through this yeah uh, interestingly enough my it, it, just like my coaching programs are pretty much full or they're much more full because people have kind of gone through that they're like okay (laughs) i survived like you know you're surviving i've had a great year a lot of people had great years or they had a hard year but they got through it and now they're like all right i need to shore up the foundations right which is what Uh i teach what you guys help with too so it's just to me it's been an interesting um positive silver lining, I guess, to see all these creative things happening. Um, And also retailers are starting to really see what they want from their business. That's been an interesting, yeah, from and I and I hear that from a lot of, um, like, they're really happy and um, happy where they are, I guess, you know, they, 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 yeah, where I'm supposed to be, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm lit up by it, which is what we want. For our business right. right you said that at the beginning that's why you did you know you just enjoyed what you were doing so yeah um so what's next for dixie bell paint do you have that's
0: well of, as you know where things happening <laughs> yeah yes yes well we just launched our silk line so mm-hmm. that's going to be more available um in the coming weeks so we're really really excited about that that's a great addition um we are releasing our transfers we're releasing some rice paper we're releasing a lot of different things um and we're releasing some new brushes so we have a lot of different um you know things under our belt that we're we're you know putting out there for everybody and um so we're excited about those we're working on on you know on those and getting those out there. So um, you know, we just keep moving forward. We are talking about um, our workshops next year or a convention next year. So hopefully that will take place. Obviously this year it didn't. So you know we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to you know just who knows what. There's always stuff going on. Aren't here. we all
1: aren't we all looking forward to conventions and conferences. Yes, I, people, miss,
0: yes. I miss retailers
1: so much. I host Retreats and conferences as well. and I cannot I just like I cannot wait to be back surrounded by I mean, Zoom is great. This is wonderful. Is. Communications great. We're so grateful. we're so lucky, but in, you know that uh, those conventions are great. And I know there's well, people listening right now that are like, yes, I just can't wait to get on a plane <laughs> so, go with my people, right? So I yeah.
0: know, well, you know, we're social creatures at the end of the day. We really are, but you know, we need that human interaction. It's important.
1: I regularly say that uh, these conferences and conventions that we uh, that we host and go to are um, the magic happens. It's the education is great, but the magic happens sitting around the lobby or the pool, right? Mm-hmm. That's where like meeting other retailers and like minded people. And you know, I try to bring that together a little bit in my retailers inner circle, like on a virtual format. But it's really hard. You know, it's just. Those conversations are just uh, this priceless. So I'm looking forward to that, too. And I and I, I see that you have a lot of big things coming up. So as we wrap up, I appreciate your time. I, I know we're running late and I want to honor your time today. But as we wrap up, I would love to know if you have any advice or a mantra or is there anything that um, that you like to share a piece of wisdom, I guess, if you will, with other retailers, um, something that you like to share with people. One of
0: the things I, that I see a lot of, and I talk to, when I talk to retailers, I used to talk to them a lot more than I do now, unfortunately. But one of the things is I like to tell people to run their own race. Don't get sidetracked. Don't, you know, don't get pulled into the minutiae of different things that are going on. Don't worry about so-and-so happening, doing things over there or what's happening down the street or with your neighbor or whatever. Run your own race. Just be true to yourself. And, uh, you know, if you feel yourself kind of getting away from that is, you know, pull yourself back in. Dies. Don't let people steal your energy and don't let people bring you down. Just stay focused on what you know is in your heart, what you want to do, and just run your own race.
1: That's fantastic. And what a great way to end. Thank you so much for being here, Suzanne.
0: I oh, appreciate thank you, you so being much. Here. We're it's for great. We'll for have to have you back
1: on. So thank you so much. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Creative Shop Talk podcast. I'm so glad that you're here to join us this week. And I hope you found value in what we're sharing here. I want to remind you that our website has all of the show notes. You can find it at wendybatten.com backslash